Kathy Obradovich surprised me when she left her job almost four years ago as a political columnist and opinion page editor for the Des Moines Register to lead a new not-for-profit digital news organization in Des Moines. And in just a few years under her leadership, she attracted an award-winning and an excellent staff, and they serve hard-hitting coverage of state government and more. In a casual conversation, the two of us had just, what is it, Kathy, about a year ago, when I was in the embryonic stage of forming the Iowa Writers Collaborative, Kathy's eyes lit up when I told her about the project and who would be a part of the group, and we kind of struck a deal. She'd run occasional posts by our members and in turn link back to their columns and the uh, Substack Roundup column. And to use a cliche, I guess it's what's called a classic win-win arrangement. In turn, Iowa newspapers often pick up these columns and can use the content at no charge with the same arrangement. I was delighted to learn that Kathy would be expanding Iowa Capital Dispatch coverage by including a beat dedicated to higher education. And that's through a partnership with Report for America. This morning, we will meet the new reporter and learn about what she hopes to cover in her beat. So Kathy, let's start with you. It's always great to have you a part of these potluck discussions. And I'm delighted to have you be a featured guest today. For those who might not know, please tell us about Brooklyn and introduce her to our participants. I'll ask a few questions and open it up to others on the call. So go ahead and tell us about the direction. Here you go. Okay, terrific. Well, first of all, um, thank you so much, Julie, for, uh, I mean, you've done a lot for Iowa Capital Dispatch that you didn't even mention, but um, helping us to hook up with the high quality opinion writers and commentary writers around the state has been uh, an immeasurable uh, benefit to Capital Dispatch. Uh, and, and the writers say that they are, you know, that they benefit as well. Um, so as you said, it's a win-win. Um, it, it came at a time when um, other publications, uh, you know, particularly uh, the, the Des Moines Register were scaling back on, on opinion content um, in the daily uh, print newspaper. And, um, and we, it gives us an opportunity to make sure that we have, you know, good quality content every day, um, but takes also a little bit of the pressure off of our reporters. Um, it gives them a little bit of space to do more in-depth uh, reporting as well. So uh, so it has been a great thing all the way around. Um, and Julie has uh, been really helpful with ideas and advice. And she's a dynamo, as you guys know. So, um, so I'm very, very appreciative of that. Um, <clears throat> so Iowa Capital Dispatch is part of a national not-for-profit called States Newsroom. And uh, State's Newsroom uh, just expanded to its 34th state. Um, we are now in Washington state as of last week. Um, <clears throat> we are uh, going to be probably, I, I think that the plan is to be in 40 states by early 2024. Um, and then <clears throat> we're going to, I'm sorry, my voice is going to be scratchy. I, I'm coming off uh, the end of a four-day cold. So uh, so I, I do apologize. But um I, I sound worse than I feel, believe me. Um, 
they so states newsroom um, is kind of the mothership um, they're based in in chapel hill north carolina um, they're doing um, the major fundraising um, for the overhead for the outlet so um, they're paying <clears throat> my salary um, and the three um, the three reporters um, that uh, we essentially are funded for a four-person staff. Um, and so any um, additional staff, um, we've, we have to find ways to fund ourselves. So that's that's how we get uh, to Brooklyn. Um, she is a, she is a, a core member. Um, they, the Report for America is a national service organization and Brooklyn is a core member for Report for America. Um, she had to apply and be accepted to uh, to report for America before um, she could apply for our position. Um, and uh, <clears throat> it's a, an, an excellent, excellent journalist. Um, she, I, I'm going to let her uh, talk about her background, but um, we're hiring her away from um, one of my alma maters, which was the Quad City Times. Um, so she, uh, with, the, with the addition of Brooklyn to our staff, um, three of us will be Quad City Times alums. Um, and I think then the other four will also be Des Moines Register alums. So excited to have that um, Quad City uh, pedigree. Um, but, um, you know, when I was uh, looking at Brooklyn's, um, look at looking at her references, um, it, it, she had also done an internship at the, at the Cedar Rapids Gazette. And the editor there, Zach Kukarski, told me, uh, you need to hire her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and so that was that was a ringing endorsement for me. Um, he, um, you know, he knows what he's looking at and what he's talking about with excellent reporters at the Gazette. Um, and it's to his best interest that I hire the best people because he can use our content. Um, so he it gives him a chance to run Brooklyn stories. So um so with that, and I'm uh, looking forward to answering your questions about uh, this model and how it all works. But um, Brooklyn, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about yourself? And, and we can talk about also why why higher education? Why is that the beat? So. Absolutely. Welcome, Brooklyn. Thank you. Yeah. Hi, I'm I'm Brooklyn. Uh, I'm I'm currently working at the Quad City Times, but I'll be covering higher education starting this July at the Iowa Capital Dispatch. Um, I got my start in journalism in high school, like so many people do at my student newspaper, and I just kind of fell in love with it. And I went to the University of Iowa and worked at the Daily Iowan, uh, the University of Iowa's and Iowa City's paper of record there, uh, all four years of my college career uh, through the pandemic and, and everything. And I also interned and worked part-time at the Cedar Rapids Gazette and the Southeast Iowa Union, uh, covering just kind of anything and everything there during college. And then uh, right after graduation, I came to the Quad City Times and here I'm the lifestyles reporter. So I cover everything from arts and culture to how flooding on the Mississippi has been affecting local businesses and anything else, um, marginalized communities and the Quad Cities. And so, yeah, right now I'm, I'm still working that beat, but also starting to learn more about you know, higher education in Iowa to prepare to get my start at the Iowa Capital Dispatch. Well, welcome indeed. I'm delighted to uh, meet somebody like you who's made this decision. 
it's a tough decision for a lot of young people to make to go into journalism at this day and age. Everything's in flux. And I'd be interested to learn more about why you chose journalism. I suspect you could have gone down many paths. And first, I want to ask you, where are you from originally? I grew up in Altoona, Iowa, just outside of Des Moines. Uh, so I, you know, I know Central Iowa very well and haven't left yet. So <laughs> Great. So tell us about why journalism. So growing up, um, my family were avid readers of the Des Moines Register, and they would watch broadcast news, you know, with local and national. So I was I was always kind of a, a viewer and a reader of the news. And uh, when I was very young, I, I had dreams of becoming, you know, a political columnist for the New York Times and live in a big apartment and do all that stuff. <laughs> um, and um, obviously, my my dreams have shifted just a little bit. Um, but in high school, you know, talking with with my teachers and other people who have, you know, been in journalism professionally, it just sounded like something I really wanted to do. I've always loved writing and, and telling stories and, and hearing other people's stories. Um, so it just kind of really clicked for me. And and in college, that just solidified that. Brooklyn, where do most people your age get their news and information today? Uh, overwhelmingly, it's social media, uh, you know, Twitter, Facebook less these days, but there's Twitter, Instagram, even, you know, TikTok these days. Uh, publications are on these social media sites trying to disseminate information. And just it's so quick these days, but that's where people are getting it. They're reading headlines. They're reading threads from journalists, maybe rather than traditional stories, seeing all these like videos and photos and everything. It's it's kind of a 24 hour news cycle that a lot of young people are clocked into all the time. Do you use uh, TikTok, for example, yourself? I don't use TikTok myself. Um, I tend to stay away from it just because I find that I absorb information better when reading than listening to a video or watching a video. But I know many people, most of my friends, most of my coworkers are on TikTok and they're seeing, you know, all kinds of things on there from, from national and, and local news sources. Do you think young people today are aware of what's really going on in state government? Do they care about state government? Do they care about issues related to higher education? Or are you an outsider? I think, um, you know, people my age are probably not paying as much attention to higher education just because we're out of it now. But I know um, people who are in higher education now, younger people, the high school students that I've spoken to in the Quad Cities, a lot of them are very active in terms of paying attention to what's going on in state government, especially with education. Uh, you know, bills moving through the state house are affecting these kids' futures, and it's so much easier these days to get that information. So they're they're much more interested than I think than people have been in the past, where it was a little harder to know exactly what was going on in the state house at any given time. So the academic standing of the regents' higher education institutions in this state have been kind of going. That may be a slight exaggeration. Maybe it's. <laughs> But at any rate, it's going down. Do you have an idea of how to cover that story in ways we haven't seen before? And maybe, Kathy, I don't want to tip anybody's hand in terms of projects you may be working on. But I'm th thinking in terms of generally, how do you cover this really significant story for the state? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's a huge beat. There's obviously your big, you know, three public universities, um, Iowa State, UNI, and, and, and University of Iowa, but there are so many small community colleges and private colleges in the state that are all affected by decisions that are being made at the state house level. And it's it's a really big beat. And right now I'm just kind of trying to learn about it and trying to find the gaps that, you know, haven't been touched by newsrooms so far and trying to kind of my biggest goal is to connect what's going on in the state house to the people who will actually be affected by these policies, you know, by the trends, you know, the students, the faculty, the staff of these universities. So I really want to try and drill down into that. And I think it's not going to be the easiest thing on the planet just because there are so many people involved in higher education, but that's what I hope to do is try and humanize these kind of larger stories. Just looking around, just looking around the zoom call today, I see a number of people in communities where there they could be sources for you for uh, for what's going on in academia. Are you open to news tips or uh, correspondence that way? Yes, yeah, please. Um, I can, I don't know if the chat is open, but I can drop my my email address, uh, my personal email address in the, in the chat if anybody has any news tips or resources that you guys think I should be looking into. I haven't covered higher education uh, in a very dedicated manner before. I, I've never been on a higher education beat. So I am I am learning this right now. So if anybody has, you know, any news tips or anything like that, please feel free to send it out. Okay, great. And Kathy, I want to get back to this beat and how you all intend to cover it. But first, before, before we shift topics, Brooklyn, tell me about Report for America. How did you find them? And what's the arrangement? So I found Report for America in college. Uh, They, you know, they really try to advertise to college students, you know, graduating seniors and the like, just because it's perfect for for young journalists. Um, I will be working with Report for America as a core member for uh, two years. Uh, That's how long my stint is with them. And in addition to working at the Iowa Capital Dispatch on this higher education beat, Uh, doing more, you know, in-depth stories. I'll also be receiving training and mentorship from Report for America to help me grow as a journalist, uh, you know, just outside of this specific beat. And then I will also be participating in a service project because that's a big part of Report for America. It's not just getting bodies into newsrooms to work on beats that are, you know, that these newsrooms traditionally haven't been able to have Uh, with their current staff, it's also trying to educate young people about media literacy and journalism. So I will be uh, doing a service project, I'm not sure what yet, working with young people about journalism and media literacy. Ooh, please keep me posted on that. It's a topic that is absolutely fascinating to me. So Kathy, let's talk about the beat in general. What do you see as your um, intention in terms of covering this, and you do a pretty good job covering it as it is, uh, higher education in the regions, but what do you, what do you want to do in expanding this coverage with Brooklyn? Yeah, well, you know, you were asking Brooklyn about, you know, how do you tell this story in a way that, um, you know, isn't being told, and, uh, you know, one of the things that I want to point out is that there aren't, um, I, I think there's maybe one reporter in the entire state who is covering higher education as a statewide beat. Really? Um, Yeah. I mean, so you might have, um, for example, you might have um, a higher education reporter, you know, 
in, at the Ames Tribune, for example, but their their main focus is going to be Iowa State, obviously. Um, you know, there might be somebody at the Daily Iowan, but their main focus is going to be University of Iowa. Nobody is covering, for example, trends in the community colleges. Um, and, and you know, I think we saw, you know, how how serious some some community or not community college, I mean private colleges, you know, how serious some of those uh, issues are as far as underfunding. Um, when Iowa Wesleyan went belly up just a, a month ago, um, we, we now, just as of today, there's a new president at Simpson University. Um, so, so I think that there's, there are some interesting issues with private schools. There's interesting issues with community colleges and what they're you know, the the state has funneled a lot of workforce development money through the community colleges, uh, but there's been zero reporting on what the results are. Um, you know, what, what is this is this working or not? Um, you know, and then we of course the with the regions, you've got you've got a, a trend now of of declining state revenue, um, increasing um, tuition. So how does that affect access um, to Iowans, to underserved communities? And also what is the effect on employers in the state? Um, a big part of the higher education beat is also looking at, you know, what, what are the workforce issues and how higher education is filling or not filling the workforce issues for employers in the state. And I, you know, again, one of the one of the reasons that Iowa Capital Dispatch exists is to fill holes in reporting. So, I mean, we specialize in reporting on, on issues that nobody else is covering. So, um, so with, with higher ed, you know, some of these statewide trends, um, but, but also, you know, interesting stories about what's going on with cool research at the universities, you know, those kinds of stories as well. And they're just not being told elsewhere. You know, it used to be that that the Board of Regents had to be, um, I think, had to be divided in terms of political appointments. And are they getting around that now by some people changing their party affiliation just to get on the Regents? Or how do, how do, how do you cover the Regents itself? Yeah, I mean, um, the, the regents are definitely a lean to the right uh, organization, and the the rules are that you can't have all, you know, you have to be divided um, between Republicans and Democrats, but you can get around that by having um, right-leaning independents on the, on the board. Um, so yeah, um, and that has been, that has come up in the past. Um, but you know, you cover you cover a board of regents like you cover, you know, any other beat. Um, you get to know the players. You um, you know, you talk to them, find out what their interests are. Um, you observe them and find out how they operate on the board. And you know, you try to get ahead of whatever it is that is coming up. You know, you, in general, when you're covering um, covering a government organization. Um, you don't necessarily want to spend all your time reporting on what they just did. You want to report on what they're going to do. Good point. So. Good point. Speaking of good points, um, Brooklyn, in one of the pieces I read this morning that you wrote for the Daily Iowan as your parting, parting column, 
you said in your parting advice, you said, make sure to pay attention to your own story while you're telling everyone else's, which I thought was great. What did you mean by that? I mean, everyone has experiences that they bring to to their profession and and their passions, no matter who you are, no one is is truly an unbiased source. Uh, So, you know, just looking at your own past and your own experiences with things and trying to see if there is a story there to be told that your perspective might lend itself to uh, and stuff like that. Like, I am a first-generation college student, so, you know, my perspective on universities trying to, you know, bring in more first-generation college students, trying to support them more is, is a different perspective of from someone who does come from a long line of college graduates and stuff like that. Um, I just think that thinking about your own past and also your own biases in your coverage is really important to presenting the best story to readers. Great. I'm going to open it up to our participants to see if anybody has a question or comment or suggestion, story suggestion. Ira Lasher, I see you have some suggestions in the chat. Would you like to go ahead and ask in real time? You'll need to unmute. Hi, Kathy. Thanks a lot. Um, appreciate being part of this and and to uh, and to uh, get a, a good line on on how Iowa Capital Dispatch is filling the news desert that the state has become. Um, in looking over much of the journalism that's being done today, not only in Iowa but it seems that just about everywhere, there is a move to, and I think that. Uh, uh, Megna Chekhov already mentioned this last week when she was at uh, at Hoyt Sherman made a, a very, very telling presentation that the reason that her show on point is moved away from what she called traditional journalism was because of the need to be able to bring more perspective to the news and to be more of a of a conduit into why something is important and what it means, as opposed to just being a source of record as to what happened, who did it, what what did they say, when did it happen, et cetera. How is Iowa Capital Dispatch going to assume that mantle of responsibility to be able to give readers in the state and, and nationally too, considering that it's a it's a national project, how is how is uh, how are you going to try to change that whole perspective and that whole mission so that people can get more of a sense of why the news is important, how it affects them, and why they should care. Kathy, you're muted. Sorry, sorry about that. It's a really good question. Um, you know, with uh, with a staff like ours, um, which is very small, um, we can't always be the ones to write the the breaking news story, right? So, for example, um, when um, there's a, you know, God forbid, a mass school shooting, for example, um, we're not probably going to be capable of rushing to the scene with, you know, our, uh, you know, video and and doing that kind of spot story. Um, we're going to be looking for what are the policy implications of what what just happened. You know, what is um, you know, what, what, if anything is going to happen as a result 
um, you know, what, um, what policy has been discussed that leads up to this, um, you know, does this change um, what, you know, how Iowans feel about policy issues. Um, and, you know, and we have to pick and choose. We're obviously not, um, uh, you know, we, we do have um, to fill, you know, we have a, we have a, a hole we fill um, every day on the website, um, but we we're trying to balance that with more investigative stories that nobody else is covering. Um, you know, you look at, for example, the stories that Clark Kaufman produces from um, the, uh, you know, he's the only one in Iowa who is regularly reporting on um, inspection reports from nursing homes, for example. And, you know, he'll write those um, on a fairly regular basis, but then he'll take a step back and say, okay, you know, what, it, what are some of the systemic issues that are going on here? Um, you know, one of which is, um, it's just, a little, you know, literally understaffing um, of nursing homes, you know, and what are the policy implications? So, so you know, as, as reporters get immersed in a beat, um, you know, as they start to understand how um, the policy works to influence what they see on the ground in terms of, of regulation, say, of environmental um, issues, for example, that, that, that then we can bring that into a larger conversation. Um, and, and, you know, and we're, we're looking also to, uh, to partner uh, with some organizations that we can um, broaden, um, broaden the conversation on some of these topics, um, maybe this fall as well. Great. So Gail Karp, you had your hand raised. You still have a question or comment? And did you unmute? Yeah. Yes, I did. Um, I am not knowledgeable in this area, but I, I have some questions um, here in the Quad Cities where I am also from. Um, we have large corporations that underwrite vocational and trade programs at the community colleges. And um, particularly going forward as it relates to climate change and climate control, I'm wondering if those corporations have any type of undue influence or um, guidance that they provide to the community colleges when under, you know, paying for certification and licensure programs. And if, I mean, I just wonder how clean it is for those trades to emerge or become more enhanced at, um, at the community college, given the involvement of private industry. And that's just for the future. That's not asking anybody to answer a question now. That's just something that I would be interested in learning more about. Thank you. That's a really good question. Okay, that's it. Write that one down, Brooklyn. Okay, sounds good. Bryce, you are on mute. You are uh, welcome to ask your question or comment. Yeah, uh, this would be both for Brooklyn and, and for Kathy. Uh, I think, Kathy, your observation of it's probably most important to know what the regents are going to do uh, as opposed to what they had, they had done in the past. I think it's important to understand, and I think the governor's office is a, has to be part of the beat, because there's a straight line between the administration of the regent's office and the staffer for a governor, 
that's assigned to education and primarily has the pipeline uh, to, uh, to the regions, as well as a direct conversational pipeline between individual regions and the governor. So I would expect that part of the beat, uh, and this is for your comment, Kathy and Brooklyn, uh, part of the beat necessarily has to understand and be in touch and monitor as one can uh, that direct pipeline of planning uh, or angst, if, if you will, if they've done something that is uh, uh, beyond the boundaries of what the governor's ex expectations are. So how are you going to handle that relationship? Okay, good question. Kathy? Well, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, you, you deal with it um, the way that we deal with any sort of um, effort. You ask all the questions that you can. Um, you, when they don't answer, you uh, put freedom of information requests in for documents. And uh, then when they don't answer those, then you sue them. So <laughs> how's that working uh, so far? Well, um, we just recently got a um, what is considered a precedent-setting ruling from the Iowa Supreme Court on on um, public records um, in a lawsuit against the governor's office. So, has it has yeah. it has it made the ac access to information easier in your in your experience? I'll ask Laura too, who's on the call. Yeah, I don't. You know, our lawyers don't really want us to answer that question because the litigation's ongoing. Okay. Um, but um, I, I would say um, leaving the governor's office out for now, we still have significant challenges okay. um, with state government. All right. All right. Good. Who else has a question? Let's see. Um, you Let's see. Uh, Jim Sayre, you have a question for Kathy. Would you like to go ahead and ask it in real time? Oh, I would love to. First, Kathy. I trust what I read on your site. And uh, one thing I do, I'm with the Humboldt County Democrats. So I typically, I'm with their uh, treasurer, but I forward some of their information to their Facebook page. When I read it on your page, I believe it. <clears throat> and I think it's trustworthy. So I wanted to say that. But, and I haven't learned much about your organization, but my question is, who do you consider your target audience? It's electronic, as you stated at the beginning. Does that include general public, which is hard to focus on, or do you target certain demographics? And I know you don't target Democrats. We probably love you more than others, but not just that. I mean, could you explain a little bit about who you're trying to reach? And maybe with uh, uh, your additional staff now, you're trying to reach different people. Yeah, you know, we are not, um, we're not very targeted in other, in other words. Um, we are providing um, information about state government, um, state agencies and politics that aren't being told elsewhere. Um, and so, you know, clearly we're looking for an audience that is not um, getting all of that, that they need from their current media sources. Um, and, you know, part of the fact is that um, what the news that we provide is being picked up by newspapers and other news organizations all around the state. So part of our, our mission is to provide quality journalism for community news organizations that are, you know, especially the newspapers are really struggling, um, you know, just to cover their own communities. 
like hear from newspaper editors all over the state that um, they would never have access to any um, legislative news, for example, without Iowa Capital Dispatch. And, and so, you know, ultimately, um, you know, our focus right now is trying to report on things that we think are important that aren't being reported on. And, you know, we reach out through social media. Um, every story that we publish um, gets re um, it gets shared on um, on our Facebook page and on Twitter and and sometimes on LinkedIn. Um, sometimes other it, it, Apple News every Apple News picks up all our our stories. Um, also, um, <clears throat> Flipboard. If anybody knows about Flipboard, they're picking up our stories. So um, so we do have an opportunity to reach a new audience with every story that we publish. Um, and, you know, part of the strategy for adding a reporter is that we will have 20, probably roughly about 20% more content, you know, for our audience to see and, you know, hopefully get hooked um, and be interested in subscribing. And ultimately, um, we're, you know, we're hoping that people will be interested in donating. Um, you know, right now, um, so part of part of the deal with Report for America is that they are paying for um, half of Brooklyn's salary in the first year. Um, and we are, um, you know, we're raising money to pay for the other half, uh, plus the um, plus the benefits, um, you know, and, and other incidentals like, you know, we're going to buy our new laptop and stuff like that. So so that so so part of um, part of our our idea is that we're you know we want to write compelling stories that people are going to be interested in reading, and um, you know that they're going to share it and, and hopefully subscribe because subscribers are are also our biggest donor base and and that's how we're going to grow. You know I don't it it doesn't um, really make sense for our mission to you know start trying to target. Um, you know, for example, what what younger readers might want to be interested in. Um, you know, we're not probably going to do. Um, you know, we're we're doing um, restaurant inspection reports, but we're not doing reviews, for example. Um, and so we're going to tell you which restaurants will make you sick, but we're not going to. We're not necessarily going to. You know, say who has the best um, meatballs or whatever. Um, you know, we're not, we're not doing stories about craft brew unless there's an issue at the state house, which sometimes there is actually the brewers, brewers, brewers do come before the legislature on occasion. So you, you don't know this yet, but Winnie Moranville is about to join the Iowa writers collaborative. So she'll be doing reviews. You can, you can rerun hers. <laughs> Kathy, awesome. you and I have had conversations about fundraising and how, how hard it is for somebody born and raised and steeped in journalism to have to wear that hat. Tell me about that and how how are you getting your arms around the fact that in order to survive, in order to provide this compelling content, you've got to find the money for it. How hard is that for you? Uh, it's kind of hard, actually. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's, ha it's happening slowly. Um, you know, from the very beginning, um, we've done fundraising newsletters, um, which go out to our subscribers to ask them, you know, every quarter basically to consider donating. Um, now with this um, with this new um, fundraising goal, um, we're taking a more direct approach um, and asking 
you know, asking donors to consider giving a little bit more, um, asking uh, people who have donated to consider a um, uh, consider a recurring donation. So just to to give monthly, for example, um, uh, to help us plan, and and also. Um, you know, to ask our many readers who are not donors, um, and we have we have quite a few subscribers who don't donate, to consider giving a little bit. And that's hard. I mean, people don't, a lot of times uh, they are, you know, they might be subscribing to Iowa Capital Dispatch because um, they, you know, they don't feel like news is something that they need to pay for. And that's, and that's tough because to have quality news, uh, somebody has to pay for it. We've chosen not to do advertising um, as part of this national not-for-profit. Um, so that really just leaves, um, you know, national and um, and local donors. Um, you know, we don't sell people's information. Um, we don't buy sponsor, you know, we don't sell, you know, space for sponsored content. You know, all of those little kind of things that you might see at the bottom of a news story. Um, uh, it, I'm not going to I'm not going to single out any newspaper, but, you know, uh, things that, you know, often have kind of, um, you know, far out topics and stuff like that um, about crazy diets and things like that. Right. Yeah. So so that a lot of that stuff is sponsored content and we don't do any of that. Um, we, you know, we feel like um, despite the fact that we have to ask um, for donations, um, we make it very clear to donors that they, you know, they don't get to influence our news judgment that we're editorially independent, and that makes that um, that uh, you know that's just part of our ethic. So, by the way, Ty Rushing was kind enough to put the link uh, iowacapitaldispatch.com forward slash donate uh, at at the uh, request of Jim Sayer, who wanted to know how to how to do so. So uh, thank you, Ty. Thank you. thank you, Jim. Thank you, Ty. Uh, you're the best. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Diana Sickles, you are on mute. If you would unmute and ask your question, then Tom and then Chuck. Thomas, excuse me. No, Diane, you're still, you're still on mute. There we go. There we Better. go. Yep. Um, I was going to ask about specific information about don't donating. I've donated a couple of times and I was to send it, I thought to DC and um, then put Iowa Capital Dispatch in the memo. So I'm glad for an update on that. I also wanted to uh, congratulate you, Kathy. I, I thought your uh, summation of the legislative year was absolutely excellent. Uh, I may have sent you a note saying, <laughs> saying so. Anyway, um, I just have a, a comment because something I'm working on, something Brooklyn might uh, do an uh, interest uh, story on. Uh, I'm working on uh, healthcare disparities for the Black community primarily. And um, there are so few uh, Black healthcare professionals of any kind. Uh, and I'm actually working with Grandview University on that. So somewhere along the line, I would love to have that issue brought up because we're trying to alleviate some of those disparities and uh, to have an investigative news interest uh, story on that would be very interesting to me. I have to leave for another appointment, 
I hate it because this is a great conversation. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you, Julie. We're inviting them. Absolutely. Thank you, Diana. Thanks, thanks Diana. And yeah, we are interested in that story idea. Healthcare um, educators, healthcare um, education is definitely part of this be part of dealing with the um, the fact that we have so many healthcare deserts in the state. Um, and Grandview is a great source. Um, I've worked with them in the past and they're, they're amazing. So, um, so yeah. Um, and if you wouldn't mind, um, Brooklyn's email address is in the chat. If you wouldn't mind just shooting her your email, your, your contact information, we'll, we'll definitely want to follow up. Um, I'd be glad to do that. I did write her email down, so I'll do that. Thanks, okay. Kathy. Got to Thank run. Thanks, Diane. God, I just love this format. This is so fun. We have engaged participants and good conversations. Thomas Cook, you are next. Welcome to the call. Well, thank you. And thanks for this uh, really great forum. This is very interesting. My question is about the weekly newspapers, the little mom and pop operations in the small communities around Iowa. How receptive are they or have they been to uh, any information you might put out? Yeah. So we do definitely have um, some weeklies that do pick up our content. Um, more often, it's it's going to be, um, you know, not maybe once weekly, but maybe ones that publish, you know, a couple times a week. So, um, for example, the DeWitt Observer, um, the Waverly Newspaper, um, Oskaloosa Herald, um, a lot of those kind of um, you know, sort of smaller to mid-sized communities, Atlantic, um, Carroll, um, you know, a, a lot of those are picking up content um, on a really regular basis. Atoma Courier, um, the, the Lee Enterprises papers, um, so, you know, for example, Muscatine Journal, um, Mason City Globe Gazette, um, they're picking up content as well. Um, and also we, we get radio stations. <clears throat> because they put stories, excuse me, up on their website. And they do, they also pick up stuff. Oh, I didn't know that. That's great. Thomas, did you have a follow-up or are you good? <coughs> uh, no, I was just, uh, you know, I've been part of the uh, letter to the editor writing group with Progress Iowa. And, um, you know, I got looking at the Iowa Newspaper Association. There's over 200 of these weekly papers and the most of them, and I've been surprised at the number of them that pick up letters to the editor um, because they're looking for content. They have next to no staff, you know, a lot of mom and pop operations. And uh, I've, we've been pleasantly surprised that they're looking for a copy, uh, looking for something to fill their two pages in their in their weekly newspaper. And uh, uh, I've been surprised at their receptivity to uh, content that you would think in that particular community uh, they were not necessarily um, um, receptive to, but uh, get a couple of messages back from the editor saying, yeah, this isn't what our audience usually hears, but they need to hear it. So um, uh, I, you know, I, I think there's a, these news deserts uh, in these small communities that uh, we need to keep paying attention to. And we're, we're thinking about, that's a really good point. And we're thinking about how to, do more outreach uh, with with the newspapers um, and radio stations that aren't currently picking up our content. We did a 
uh, Iowa Newspaper Association was very kind um, and <clears throat> and let us. Uh, they they published uh, you know they published our news release when we launched, and then uh, they have since published information about how um, their members can share can you know can share our content. Um, but we need to do it again. Um, it's time, you know, it's time to for us to follow up with that and maybe do some more direct um, outreach to them. And um, and Iowa Newspaper Association actually created a digital membership um, this year. So um, we are one of two uh, brand new uh, first digital members of Iowa Newspaper Association. So uh, so we're looking forward to that. Um, and you know making that connection with our fellow news, newspaper association members. Right, thank you. Chuck, you're up. Hi, uh, Brooklyn and Kathy. Uh, I'm a regular reader of Iowa Capital Dispatch. You do tremendous work on that, uh, of course. Um, Brooklyn, I'm an old, uh, I roamed all over Iowa in my career for the Des Moines Register. And I loved hanging out on college campuses. And I always made damn sure I knew who the editor, the DI, uh, the Iowa State Daily, the Northern Iowa, and the Drake Times, Delphic, among other student papers around the state. Uh, so one thing I'm going to suggest for you to do is drive your editor crazy by putting in a request that you want to visit every college and community college in the state. Uh, you should know who's who on those campuses from um, these, you know, rank and file students to the administrators to the faculty members just an ungodly number of stories out there to be tapped, as you can imagine, having just been in that environment yourself. So I'd encourage you to do that. However, you can make that work for Kathy. Um, we but, also, uh, Chuck, we also pay for mileage out of donations to Iowa Capital Dispatch. <laughs> you like well, to, be, you know. <laughs> I will be glad to help fund that, actually. I would, I think that'd be a good thing. Um, but a couple of things that brings up to me, I think they're serious points to be considered about a higher education beat in Iowa. One is uh, about, it was probably three years ago, maybe four years ago, I was watching the, I was just so frustrated at watching the Iowa legislature and how higher ed was not being funded. Uh, I mean, it was, the funding was being cut and trimmed back or squeezed or whatever. For a while, community colleges were doing better. Uh, now it's been sort of just a hold the line thing on both community colleges and the region's institutions. And I look at that legislature and I start thinking, how many of these people have four-year degrees? And uh, three or four years ago, I looked and the leaders of the four, you know, the party leaders in both houses, I, I could only count one that had four year, a four-year degree. Now mm. that changes from time to time, but I think it'd be worthwhile looking at the higher education records of our legislators and state officials, because it's like, you know, all of a sudden you begin to think, well, now I understand why they're not funding this. They've never been there. They don't know how important it is. They don't know how cool it is. They don't know how fun it is. Um, the second thing I would say is I've always viewed higher education in Iowa as a potential new major part of the state's economic development. I think with our private colleges scattered all over our community colleges, how many have we got? At least 16 of those, I think, and several with multiple campuses and our regents and uh, schools, we've got an opportunity to bring in young people from all over the nation and around the world 
And uh, this is in a state that begs for young people. And nothing could be more effective than to bring them in here for education, find ways to do creative funding of that, and, uh, and use that as a tool for economic de development policy for the state. I think it'd be a strong message for Iowa to send, send <clears throat> to the nation and world that we're interested in that again, because we, we've kind of gone the other way on that. But I wish you the best of luck. And I think that's going to be a, somebody said earlier, Lyle Muller from the Gazette used to say the Regents was the best gig uh, in journalism in Iowa. And I think that's maybe close to right. I'd just say being out there covering the colleges in general would be the thing. The one other thing about students out there, and you, you've been one of them recently, so you know this. Hell, for all of us who are you know not on campus and who are just reading about this, we don't know any college students in the state unless we're related to them or they're a basketball or football player or wrestler. Right. And that's not right. I mean, we, I want to know who the outstanding students are in Iowa at any particular time. So there you go. Have fun. Okay. And Brooklyn, Thank you. Brooklyn, I highly recommend there's some people on this Zoom call that if you have time to just sit down with Chuck Offenberger, and I'm sure I'm volunteering Chuck for this duty, and I'm sure he'd be happy to, to meet with you and talk about his career and how he approached stories. And if you haven't read Chuck's column uh, from last week about uh, how shameful it is that the state lost uh, uh, Wesleyan University, uh, look it up because it's solidly reported and poignant and a story that nobody wants to have to have to report. But we do face declining enrollment uh, just by demographics coming up. And then more and more people are talking about why young people won't want to come to Iowa because of the draconian uh, actions of the last legislature. So you've got you've got some serious issues coming up for Iowa, Iowa, higher education. And what's what are some of the next colleges to fall? I don't know what they are, but it's a legitimate scary story because these towns in Iowa that have colleges are going to be decimated if they lose their their universities. But I'm, I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir. Uh, Laura Bellin is on the call, another dogged reporter uh, who does her own thing. And then Ty Rushing. Ty, did you have a did you have your hand up? You, you, I think you did. So why do, I'm going to call on you. OK, uh, I forgot my question because Chuck went on so long. <laughs> <laughs> But um, either way, I just wanted to give a shout out to the Capital Dispatch. I'm a, I'm a fervent reader as well. Like, I love what you're doing over there, Kathy. And then I had to see Brooklyn. I mean, I've been following her career since she was at the DI. So I just like when I saw she was on the call, I was like, well, I, I got to show my face. So, yeah, good luck to you. Uh, looking forward to seeing what you do. Thank you. Yeah, I'm also a fan of the Iowa Capital Dispatch. And I think I agree that there is just a tremendous amount of material in the higher ed beat. I mean, I was told, I don't remember exactly what year this was, but I was told this before the pandemic. I know it was before the pandemic because I was in an airport. I was waiting to get on a flight and I struck up a conversation with someone who was a trustee, I think for Wartburg College. And he told me that all of the private colleges, except for like Grinnell with its huge endowment, that um, they were having big problems. Big problems were coming down the pike. And he thought that one of the reasons for it, and I never investigated this, was that when Sally Mason was president at the University of Iowa and Bruce Rastetter was at the Regents, the Regents made this big deal about how they wanted the Regents universities to be attracting more in-state students. And so Iowa and Iowa State 
started really focusing more on recruiting in-state students and they increased their enrollment and then that wasn't that sustainable, but like that, that the, the pool that they were drawing from was like the bread and butter, the students who would have gone to the Buena Vistas or Central College or Graceland College, this, and that his perception was that that had really hurt the private university system in Iowa. I, I just don't know whether that, how much of a factor that was, but this was before the pandemic. And so I definitely agree with what Julie mentioned. I don't think that Iowa Wesleyan is going to be the last of those colleges to go under. By the way, Laura, while you're on the call, why don't you tell Brooklyn how you broke that story about the Iowa State uh, president's use of the private plane? Oh, well, Ryan Foley broke the story. Oh, I thought you did. <laughs> he broke the original story about the the Iowa State president, Stephen Leith, um, using basically having a hard landing in the plane and, and apparently using it for private flights. But then I did sort of go way down the rabbit hole. I broke a couple of angles to that story, but that was one I was, I would say I was piggybacking off of the Associated Press work, but I was actually just thinking about that the other day. Those were the days. That was a lot of fun. I learned a lot, um, but, <clears throat> and we never got to the bottom of it because unfortunately the state auditor we had at the time wasn't willing to use her subpoena power to look at things like the president's private pilot log. I, I believe, I had tips, I believe that there was a lot more to that story that we were never really able to nail down and then he left Iowa State, but I still think that we never found out the true scale of how much he was using the airplane for his private use. And Brooklyn, it seems to me that <clears throat> as newspaper uh, staff has, has shrunk, that there's almost a belief among elected officials and public officials that nobody's paying attention to what they're doing. So there's got to be just story upon story upon story out there that uh, should be able to be fairly easily <laughs> discovered if anybody's looking and reporting. I don't know. Um, yeah, no, I think I'll have less issues finding stories than I will trying to get to every single one of them. So. Right, exactly. Okay, we just have a couple of minutes left. John Schmidt, you had your hand up. Uh, if you're still around, you're next. Thanks, Julie. And Kathy, you and your team do great work. I really appreciate all that you do. You've talked about the register and the local newspapers picking up stories that Iowa Capital Dispatch publishes, do they have to pay for those? What's that relationship? They get to pick and choose with no charge? They get to pick and choose with no charge. All of our, all of our stories, all of our content is um, published under a Creative Commons license, which basically means that it's open um, for anyone. We do have guidelines, so they have to credit us. Um, you know, we ask uh, publications to link back um, to our site. Um, and we ask them to be transparent about any changes that they make to our copy. So they're, they're free to change headlines, et cetera. But if they do major modifications to our stories, we like, you know, sometimes publications will just run two or three inches of a story, which is fine. Uh, but we do ask that they, you know, that they give a no, notice to their readers that that's their edit. But, uh, and then we're, you know, we're, we have to be more careful about our photos. Um, we allow the use of our photos that are taken by our staff 
um, with the story that it um, is, a, is originally published with, but we also use a lot of licensed photos from elsewhere. And so we don't, um, we don't necessarily, we can't really share those. Um, but yeah, the reason we do that is to, again, to try to plug holes in the, the you know, these, uh, especially community newspapers, you know, what they do best is, is covering their communities. And we, we want to give them an opportunity to have some of the statewide news coverage from a quality, from quality uh, sources, you know, from uh, experienced journalists um, that they can use while they, you know, hopefully can strengthen their own business and, and focus on the really important news that they're covering in their communities. Connie Weimer, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'd also like to make sure that you and Brooklyn meet and she meets you. Brooklyn, this is Connie Weimer. Connie, you're muted, but she is the leader of business publications and one of the most consistent supporters of uh, business and women in journalism that, that you can be found. So if you have an opportunity to meet Connie someday and pick her brain. I'm sure, Connie, you'd be willing to meet with this new young reporter. Brooklyn, I'd be delighted to meet with you. Welcome, and uh, I look forward to spending some time with you. Thank you so much. Great. All right, on that note, Connie, uh, Kathy, um, again, for people to make a donation to Iowa Capital Dispatch, it's iowacapitaldispatch.com forward slash donate. And do you have any final comments, Brooklyn and Kathy, before we go into breakout rooms for folks to just talk informally? Yeah, I just uh, want to thank you again, Julie, for this time. Um, this is a this is a, a really tuned in audience, and and I know that you guys support uh, journalism of all sorts. So. Um, so I, I really appreciate it if you would help us spread the word about Iowa Capital Dispatch. Um, sign up for the newsletter, um, which is on the website, also uh, iowacapitaldispatch.com forward slash subscribe. And forward it to your friends and, and family who may not um, you know, be aware of Iowa Capital Dispatch. That, that also helps us tremendously. Um, and if you are donating, um, if you would consider a recurring donation, that's fantastic information about how to give by check is also on that website. So thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Great. And Brooklyn, any final comments from you? We're so glad to have you on board. Yeah, just thank you again for having me come by. And my email is in the chat. So if anybody has any tips or would like to reach out, please don't hesitate. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to get started. All right, for those who can hang around for just about five minutes, we're going to go into breakout rooms so you can get to know each other uh, in a smaller group setting. Thanks again, Kathy and Brooklyn, and all of you who participated. Mm -hmm.